This is Randy's Rock of Life podcast, brought to you by Premier Midwest Beverage. That's who was at his house last night, right? Sure. And all that's what he said it was. All right, guys, we're rolling. So just FYI, if you want to say anything, uh, uh, but uh, Danny, nurses are fun. Nurses, nurses are, fun. are fun. Wait a minute. Okay. No, uh, 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 I know from personal experience. Sometimes they're not. I had two. Oh sh. Wow. Back to back. Okay. At don't, the same. Oh. Don't date them. That's my only advice. Here's don't the problem. True. True. You you realize that they could physically start stalking you in your house right like you, showing up uh, and shit or do you go to their place you know what i got i got one who's look, looking forward to stalking me uh in my little area of delivery oh fuck bring it i'll knock it out in the back of the truck <clears throat> <Okay>. huh <laughs> with that being said <laughs> Jared, our guest tonight, is a local law enforcement. So, first so time. be careful where that truck is that you're knocking it out in the back ooh, of, or uh, yeah, you don't want to be, uh, you know, just things me, could get awkward. Just yes. let me finish before you bust me. <laughs> all right, so uh, I'll I'll delay walking up for 15 seconds. All right, that'll give you time to cuddle too. 21. 15 if seconds lucky. of Fast and Furious. Fast, Fifteen seconds of Furious. Is that what you've said, Daniel? Yes. And what? There's what? Ten Fast and Furious, so I got ten chances. Shit. It was 12 seconds of cuddle time. Oh, my God. Shoot. Skip the cuddle time. Hopefully, she'll bring me a sandwich. Yeah, Do you, <laughs> you just tell them to leave at that point? Like, after your fury? Do you no, just be like, no, I, peace? I cuddle a little bit, then I'm like, peace. Gotta go clean up. Gotta go to bed. That's fair. You don't want to sleep with a stuck to your leg. Get you. No, no, it, you don't. You don't want that uh, that glue feeling. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Spe- good. Especially when you get up and your fucking nuts are like stuck to your <laughs> leg like Velcro, and you're fucking oh. peeling it off. <laughs> wow, it's, it's all fun and games right now, Danny. Until yeah, yeah, they catch feelings. Uh, I know, Daniel. Let me ask you one question. What do you? It, what is it going to take for someone to just like tame you? Settle you down. Because I feel like you're the mountain lion out there just cruising Q Street right now. No doubt. Having a good time. Know it. Strutting. Strutting. Straight cat style. Well, she's uh, going to have to be, uh, quote unquote, every woman's independent. No, she's going to have to believe in herself. You know, she's she's got to be active. Got to keep up with me. Okay. You know, shit, I'm almost 50. And I'm, look at so I'm, I'm outlasting thirty year olds. Yeah, that's crazy. So I, I mean, it's going to take a special person. But do you, do you feel like now with a lot of these girls currently now out in the dating world, especially 38, 40, mid thirties, is that too old for you? No, I'm. <clears throat> this may sound strange, but fuck, I'm hungry. Bring it. I'm hungry. He says. Bring it. Okay. Damn, this is a Danny I know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's yeah. got a. Yeah, he's been out having a good. I, this is why he's been gone for like a well, month. Well, no right? shit. He's using <laughs> no, excuses to come. He's like, uh, that, that reminds me of a meme that I saw today. It's uh, I like my women like I like my trucks. At least thirty years old and leaking fluids. <laughs> <laughs> I have one like that. I have one. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, hey, shit. just get tested. Yeah, wrapped it up, dude. Don't Always. Do and they'll I mean, bacon. Oh my god. Bacon. Good Lord. Not Kevin Bacon. Um, I'm offended. 
Before we dive up, dude. Uh, dive deep down into the world of uh, like lots of topics, actually, with uh, law enforcement, that kind of stuff. I appreciate um, everybody coming back, man. Um, Jose, I know we've spent a minute as well. A um, couple things. Uh, we just recently had that stock of bar party, so thank you very much for everybody that came out for that, uh, except Jose. Wait, uh, I'm wait, just, well, yeah. I'm just <clears throat> Jose wasn't there, but it's okay. You're, I wasn't there. there. Where was spirit. my invite? It's uh, your your Ooh, wife still in, probably still in the mail, huh? Got uh, the invite actually. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? I don't because yeah, she. I don't know about the the facey space things. So. I hear her retracting. Yeah, that's a very good question. Well, I'm gonna. Have yeah, to, I wasn't in charge. You of know, that, uh, so yeah. to be fair. We're not on MySpace anymore, so not that's MySpace, where you're... Uh... Facey space, Facebook. Um, Facey space. Snapchat. Yeah. Snapchat, yeah. So either way, Daniel, thank you. We had a great time watching the Crawford fight. and um, Congratulations which, to him, by the way. Yes, representing I mean, for Champ Bud. Yeah, yeah, for so many doubting him over the years and saying he ran away from the big fight. No, the big fight ran away from him for years. Finally, he got it, and he, and he showed up. Yeah. No, I was that was super cool, man, and and uh, thank everybody that showed up. We had a great time, and um, just uh, thirty days away from the wedding. Yikes. Thirty days and what twenty something hours? Yeah, yeah. I have a I have a time. thirty seconds. It's gonna. My phone has like a timer. It's D day. It's supposed to blow up the day of. So looking forward to that. But uh, also, which we just mentioned uh, a second ago, the loss of Pee Wee Herman. I was really sad by that. You know, I mean, one, I didn't know he had cancer. What is it? Dun, 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 dun. Well, because a lot of people always used to call me Pee Wee or because I looked like Pee Wee Herman for the longest <laughs> time. And that's why I was like, it could be my dad. Because I never knew my real dad. So, <laughs> you, so, you better get some DAA on dude, that. You well, might be able to get a check. And, and that's why I was like, Mom, is it Nick Cage or is it Pee Wee Herman? Damn. Like, tell me. Come but, on. Or a combo. Or a, I mean, it could have been. Oh, freesome. It, it was the 70s. My mom would call it free love. Cocaine. Hell of a drug. Mixology right there. Yeah. So. So um, a couple of my favorites were he was in the movie Blow with uh, Johnny Depp, yeah, which was, was a great a movie. movie. Uh, very offside wall of Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure, and then also Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He was in that, that movie uh, with Christy Swanson, and the only reason I know who that is because she dated Scott Stapp of Creed. Uh, uh. But uh, he played like a really fucking weird character in that, and that was the thing about Paul Rubin. He always played weird. Yeah. you know characters besides he wanted to step away besides from the playing with himself in the movie theater. yes and once again he was in the right th- is they frown upon that in the uh, law enforcement world I don't have any experience with that in my, <laughs> in my 15 and a half years in the business allegedly uh, haven't had to go to any theaters that's good so yeah have you ever uh, rolled up or pulled somebody over in that aspect and they were like really fucked up or they weren't because i dude i swear to god it was tweaker day in omaha it literally was i saw like three people driving with some beater shit ass things no t-shirts on fuck it, it was bad i mean tweakers I bad mean, what day that's it's wednesday right that's a wednesday for it's you. a wednesday here uh, in you sure you weren't in casa bluffs no oh, okay. no uh, did you know here's a fun fact did you know that the toothbrush was invented in council bluffs no you know how you know that? By looking at their grills, no. I mean, grills. Wait, do you know how you know that, though? Because if it had been invented anywhere else, it would have been called a teeth brush. <laughs> uh, nice. Love it. <laughs> Fuck. So you can brush in their one I tube. mean, you know. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, first of all, Jay, I appreciate you. That was awesome, man. Yeah, I appreciate you coming in, but also uh, give us a little bit of a background, man. How'd you get into this? How did you uh, find this line of work? Was it something you're all passionate about? Or Well, you know, I took a long, varied path to get to where I am today. Okay. Um, so I started off my college career. I graduated high school, went to college in Lincoln and started off as a business administration major really? uh, only because my dad had an MBA and I was like, ah, there's money at the end. Um, okay. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. And uh, after a year and a half in Lincoln, my parents decided that my social life was getting ahead of my academics. <laughs> and so uh, yeah, as I put it, I got exiled out to Shadron. Okay. Um, so for Other those that are side of the state, yeah. Damn, so you were doing those some stuff. Familiar with Shattering? It's uh, clear out in the Panhandle in Nebraska. Yeah. You're closer to Denver than you are to Omaha. Shattering is the metropolitan of the area uh, because they have a super Walmart, and really, it's a not so super Walmart, but. <laughs> The label says Super Walmart. Your nearest mall is uh, an hour and 45 minutes away in Rapid City, South Dakota. Wow. Um, Shattern is a town, at the time at least, it was probably about 3,600 people. So wow. uh, you can imagine going from uh, from Memorial Stadium to Don Beebe Stadium uh, was a bit of culture shock. Um, mm -hmm. For those that aren't familiar, well, I'm going to guess next to nobody is familiar, but Don Beebe Stadium, like Burke High School Stadium, is probably nicer than Don Beebe Stadium was wow. when I was there. Damn. Um, uh, yeah, and I was also there for the Danny Woodhead years. Uh, those are the the glory years for Shattered State. Um, but so anyway, so going out he said there, Woodhead. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, going out there, I knew absolutely nobody but Shattered State because they're in the middle of nowhere. They have a host parent program through the college, and so my host dad was head of communications for Dawes County. And so by default, he became my new best friend. And so when I had nothing to do, uh, I'd go hang out with him down at the police station and stuff. Um, so. Once I got to Shattern, uh, turns out that my social life in Lincoln dictated that I had to maintain at least a 2.5 GPA. Uh, so I get out to Shattern, and turns out I didn't give a shit about school. Um, and so my GPA plummeted. And so my dad made a special trip out to Shattern, uh, made the seven-hour drive. And uh, he said, and this is a direct quote, I'm no longer funding a losing proposition. Shit. At which point I was uh, effectively cut off and had to find my own way in the world. And so when I had transferred out to Shatter and I was a English education major, I was going to be a high school English teacher. And then nice. I, I hit the class of theory and practice of teaching writing. And I was like, yeah, nope. No way I'm going to be in a school the rest of my life. And uh, so... Once I was cut off, it's like, okay, what do I want to do? And I had spent a lot of time hanging out with the police there. And I was like, you know, this is something that I could see myself doing and finding fulfillment in my life. And uh, so when I moved back to the Omaha area, uh, I tested with a local law enforcement agency. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a long process. I tested in February of 2007. And then I found out in October of 2007 that I would be hired, and I started January 2nd of 2008. Wow. So it was almost a year-long hiring process. And I also found out that apparently I was pretty lucky. I only tested once. There were several people I know that had to test three, is, four, is, or five is times. Is that kind of like, I mean, 
not would say equivalent to like a written test and then like a driving test, but like a written test and like a physical test. Yes. Or like how does that yes. work? So the through the whole hiring process, first there's a written test. Uh, it's called the post test, the po- police officer selection test. Okay. Um, and it's it's a, a lot of random stuff. You have to. Uh, it basically proves that you can read, write, and communicate at an eleventh grade level. Really. So it's it's fairly basic. Hmm. Okay. Um, and then there was a physical agility test, and uh, honestly, the the test for that process, I, I could have walked it easily and still passed it. But they told us if we did that, we'd fail. So wow, I ran. Um, <laughs> but you know, that's just the base to get in. Um, so then your scores go out to at the time it was through uh, the Metropolitan Area Planning Agency (MAPA). I was the last class to go through that, and but so your scores could go to multiple local agencies. Uh, the thing that I think is interesting, you know, when we look at, you know, this is going to be diverting a little bit here, mm-hmm. but uh, when I tested in February of 2007, I think there were something like 300 people there testing. There were a little over 300 people there testing that day, and I think there were 12 spots across like seven agencies. Um, today. We have, you know, we had six, I think, six openings at my agency, and I think we had 42 people show up to test. Really? Wow. Um, it's just the narrative in the media today is uh, not helping the profession. And, and part of the issue with that is that we, the negative image that the media is giving policing is really driving away the quality people that you want in policing. Right. Um <clears throat> You know, and I would say you talk to, I would say conservatively, you talk to 95% of officers and you ask them why they got into the profession. And uh, they'll tell you it's because they want to help people. They want to help people. They want to help mm-hmm. their community. Yeah. And right. so now all of a sudden with the narrative, like somehow like we become the bad guys. And, and don't get me wrong. There are there are guys that shouldn't be in law enforcement. Um, but, man, that's the, the slim, slim minority. Mm-hmm. And, and nobody wants a bad cop out as much as a good cop because they give us all a bad name and that makes sense. and I have seen in in my 15 years I have seen law enforcement officers get in trouble and nobody shits on them harder than their fellow law enforcement officers I believe that um yeah. you know it, hold each other accountable a- absolutely and yeah. you know people talk about you know the the thin blue line and how you know the oh they protect each other and they're hiding all this corruption like no that's that's really illy in my experience and i would say in the omaha metro area that's not how it works um it's a it's a band of brothers uh I, when i played uh, collegiate rugby we held each other all all of each other accountable right when one screwed up you know it was let known by the other others you know because you want the best and yep. if you didn't want the best, you wouldn't, you wouldn't hold each other accountable. You just let shit slide. Yep. You're the best Absolutely. around. Nothing's ever going to break it down. Oh, I guess Randy and I are the only ones who I, saw. I, good Lord. Jump into the slim bar. Karate Kid, hello, Jeez. man. God. Sorry. I was I was little when Karate Like I watched it. My dad was a big kung fu. The one uh, with Jackie Chan doesn't count, you know. No, 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 no. no. I didn't see that one. <laughs> 
I'm just saying. But, but uh, everybody but anyway, so now, and now getting back back onto so anyway, so we had the police officer selection test. You have the written test. Uh, there was the physical agility test, and then once you start the hiring process, um, there's a psychological evaluation that you have to go through, which I think would be really interesting now to go back 15 years later and take that again because I remember there was something there were some the question that I remember <clears> that sticks with me in my head is that at the time uh, the question was I feel safer when I have a gun and at the time I remember Mark, I was like uh, no like what and now it'd be like if I read that question it's like I feel safe when I have I feel safer when I have a gun I'm like yes and I feel safer even safer when I have two guns fair enough um, yeah. but there's also uh, being in law enforcement it really changes your worldview uh, trauma after trauma after trauma, um, but we can get imagine. into that more later. So, yeah. uh, so you have the uh, psychological exam. There's uh, background investigation. Um, how uh, how many uh, rigmarole is that? Is it like deep? Like how deep do yes. they like in in what in the the, the background? The background, yeah. So the background now. Granted, again, I'm going to be dating myself a little bit. They hadn't moved everything electronic yet, so I filled out my background application with a typewriter nice. because wow. it looked more professional than handwriting. But I mean, <laughs> like they didn't have they didn't send you an electronic form. You know, you got. Okay. But it was a uh, 25 page Whew. packet Damn. that I filled out and and sent in. Um, but I mean, they talked to people from when I was a kid. They talked to people in middle school. They talked to people in high school. Um, at the time, I was living in a house with a bunch of guys. Like they came and did a home visit. They come and check and see where you're living. You know, is, check is, out is, the people. Is that just is, go ahead. It's your it's your growth mentally. That's what they're yeah. what they're checking to see right. if it's when it's it's. Level. What kind of kid was he? You know, was he a good kid or was he always in trouble? What kind of in middle right. school? What kind of kid was he? Like, was he a shithead growing up and then straightened out, or is he yeah. putting on an act now? Like, has he had character growing up? And so, I mean, it, at least I feel like my agency does a really good job of vetting people. Um, Fair enough. Pill, pulling the layers back. Yeah. Um, so it was that, and uh, but I it, it all it took a long time. The the psychological thing that you spoke of, um, how how intense was that? Like, is it was it all just paper? Yeah, so it was all uh, it was all just the, the paper and and I feel like it was you got a you got a packet and I feel like it was a scantron sheet or something. But then you had to go and talk <laughs> to school. had to go and talk to a psychologist and like you know they went over it and then they would ask you follow up questions and things and uh, um, I don't know I used to be a fairly passive person. And because uh, I remember one of the things they asked me about, you know, they're like, tell me about a time where you had to, you know, take initiative in something. I'm like, well, I don't know. There was one summer I was working at a job and I was basically the third in command. And so I had to like, I had to know the schedule of when product, what product had to be out and when and what kind of timelines we had. And so then I had to direct people of where to mm -hmm. go, what to do. And he's like, hmm, and did you do okay with that? And I was like, I don't know. We got, got everything out on time. So I guess I did okay. Oh, okay. Uh -huh. So, um, you were talking about initiative. I thought you were talking about like, well, I was in the club one time and I seen <laughs> Betty Boo across the way. That's a different kind of initiative. Yeah. My bad. No, you I mean you want to talk about social life, man? I was always, uh, I was always oblivious. I was thinking about it, so. I got a couple of friends that we always would go out to the bar together when I was in Shatter, and one of the one of the, like five bars that Shatter had. <laughs> and uh, we were funny. out one night, and like I was vicious because like I like my friends, but uh, like my buddy Kent, he's he's. 
I love him to death. He's a goofy motherfucker. And uh, <laughs> well, so funny enough, the the truck meme that got sent uh, today was one of my friends sent it and was like, oh, hey, you know, I think this more applies to Kent. But uh, and I was like, oh, no, like Kent likes him at least 60. Like, come on. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> But uh, easier to easier to run down, you know, oh, right? Give me your plastic help, <laughs> right? So uh, completely beast. other, completely other funny side story. Just because we're talking about Kent, not that you guys know him, but so I was uh, when I went to his graduation party, uh, his grandpa came, and uh, his grandpa brought his girlfriend, <laughs> and. Uh, so, nice. so his his dad was up at Ken's apartment, and then uh, his sister comes up a little bit later, and, and he was like, "Oh, hey, where's Grandpa?" and and she was like, "Oh, he's back at the hotel with his girlfriend." And uh, wow, Grandpa, and, right? And there, and he was like, "Well, why why didn't you guys bring him?" And he was a little busy with his new girlfriend, and so then we were giving Kent shit for like, I mean, probably 15, 20 minutes, and then all of a sudden we realized like their car was there, and so then we're like, oh, but must have hurt us. Be you know, they must have hurt us because he was uh, in a his apartment was above a garage, and so we're up on this raised deck, and so they must have hurt us as they were walking up, and because then. Uh, God, I don't remember what what exactly the exchange was, but all I remember is Grandpa's girlfriend is like, you know, as we're like making introductions, she's like, you know, old people like to have fun too, and we were oh. just like, oh, oh damn, gross. Kent, your Grandpa's pulling more ass than you, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, funny. Uh, but anyway, so back to my my social life and my naivety. Um, so I, I don't know. I guess for better or for worse, I always see the best in people, which. Uh, not as much anymore. I've seen the dark underbelly of humanity, but yeah. But uh, so ambition. One time, I'm like, man, why is it like I'm talking to my friend? I'm like, well, how is it that like Luke and Kent are like always getting hit on and like they're always like getting chicks and stuff and like I got nothing. Like I got nothing. You didn't have any game. And my friend is like, dude, you get hit on all the time. And I'm like, what? Whatever. And so then, like, our waitress comes over and she's doing all this and, like, puts her hand kind of on my arm and shoulder oh, and all this stuff. And, place. like, and I was just like, oh, she's just being nice, you know, working for a tip or whatever. And she walks away and he's like, see, that's what I'm talking I'm like, what are you talking Dude, you're dumb. She completely <laughs> just hit on you. And I was like, oh, shit. We all have one in that group. Right? Yeah. Right? That and that was it me. Not so, uh, it is what it Mario. is. Mario. Uh, sorry. Mario. Well, Mario, you should step your game up. Oh, he's married. <laughs> he's now. married. He's married. Now. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> what, um, in a sense of like uh, getting into this line of work, uh, what is your like your daily like ups and downs like? Like you, you start the day off and you're like, I'm gonna, it's gonna be a great day, and then something happens, or just in the daily life, you know? Um. Man, that's tough because – so the thing I like about law enforcement – so uh, halfway through my sophomore year of high school, I got diagnosed with ADD. And so I hate routine and structure because with my ADD, like if I have too much routine and structure, like I get bored of shit really fast. Okay. Um, I, I agree. However, if I don't have routine and structure, I don't get shit done because I have ADD and I'm fucking squirrel. You know, and it's fucking, I'm all over the place. Yep. And so it's like this nasty catch 22. So the beauty of law enforcement for me is that it's that perfect combination mm -hmm. because like, so when I'm, you know, I started my career on road patrol and, uh, you know, every day you go in for roll call 
And like you, you know what the day is going to, you go in for roll call, you get your district assignments, you know, you get your cruiser and, and you go out and you, you hit the streets and do your thing. But so there's that structure, you know, the, the things you got to do are the same, but every day is different, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you just, you never know. Um, and so it, your day really, it, it really depends on, uh, just your assignment and what you're doing. Um, in my career, I, uh, have worked the road patrol. Um, I've worked in our courthouse division. Um, I've spent, I spent over half of my career as a school resource officer, which is super rewarding. Um, mm-hmm. I can imagine. I love it. You know, there, there's a lot of guys who are like, Oh, you're not a real cop anymore, but um, it's it's a different kind of policing. You're, and, you're, and mold, you're molding little minds too. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. 100%. So we'll we'll get back there. But uh, um, and so then I recently got promoted, and uh, so I, I tell you what, in February I got promoted and I got put back on overnights, and um, overnights was my jam when I started my career, but. 38 with two kids, Jared, does not handle overnights like 24 with no kids, Jared did. Like, all of a sudden, four hours of sleep does not cut it. Yeah. Uh, It it was rough. But so about three weeks ago, uh, my assignment changed, and I'm super excited. Um, I'm in charge of our community services division. Nice. And I am in charge of our school resource officers, which it's really awesome. This is the first time in the history of the agency that the supervisor of the school resource officers actually was a school resource officer cool nice. um, great stuff there man so that's cool and then uh, i'm also super oh, excited we're starting a behavioral health unit much uh, needed here and uh, so i'm excited to start that uh in 2019 i graduated from university of nebraska at omaha with my master's degree in clinical mental health um, yeah. and so that's always been kind of my niche in law enforcement mm-hmm. um has been that kind of mental health aspect and that that also ties to my time in Shadron. Um, so after my dad cut me off, um, thanks dad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, funny thing is like, it actually is. Thanks yep. dad, because it was tough love, but it made me grow up real fucking quick. Mm-hmm. And, yep. you know, um, but so after I got cut off, I had to find gainful employment, something to pay bills and, uh, that would provide me insurance, uh, because my parents weren't anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up, and it's funny, you know, I, I don't know if y'all are spiritual and, but, um, I, I applied for a shit ton of jobs mm-hmm. and like was just, I had a couple interviews, but nothing was, you know, wasn't getting hired anywhere. And uh, my dad had given me a finite amount of time. Like if you're going to stay in the area, you're going to find a job in this amount of time. Otherwise I'm shipping you to Chicago. I'll help you set you up with an apartment. I got a job for you there. That's yeah. your deal. And I'm like, wow. I don't want to fucking go to Chicago. <laughs> what kind of um, job would it have been? Yeah. Uh, it was in galvanizing. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's very, yeah, my dad's got a background in in the industry, so he had uh, his company had a facility up there that he's like, "You're not going to work for me, but I'll send you up there and you can go work there." But so I had a very finite amount of time, and I was I was quickly running out of time, and uh, so I I laid in bed one night and I prayed and I was like, "All right, God, um, you know, I've tried everything that I thought would be cool, that I thought would be fun, that I thought would be right up my alley, mm-hmm. and it hasn't worked out." So. If I'm supposed to be here, help me out here, you know. Um, and it was one of those that kind of turned into a uh, not my will but yours be done. So the next uh, two days later, I uh, had an interview with the Region 1 Office of Human Development uh, where I got a job. And I was um, working with folks that were mentally handicapped um, and had oh, others nice. uh, mental illness and things, um, which really – 
kind of set me on the path to where I am today. And, you know, uh, so it was, it's amazing. I, I look back at my life and, you know, I don't know, people always ask questions at times, you know, like if you could change anything in your life, what would you, and honestly, like I, I wouldn't change anything because every trial and tribulation, every, sure every that. success and failure has led me to where I am today. Yes. And, uh, it's a teaching. Absolutely. Very much so. Absolutely. And it, I wouldn't be who I am today without all of my struggles. And, um, I, I think I'm a pretty decent person, mm-hmm. you know, but then that has also played into then my law enforcement career in the way of, you know, not only that, you know, kind of the mental health became my niche, but then, um, you know, I was on a call one time and we get called in uh, a couple gals, they're college girls in a trailer park and, uh, Oh, I like it already. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Sounds yeah. like a mess. So they, uh, <laughs> right? Keep Danny away. But uh, I don't think they were nursing students, though. So. Damn. Yeah. But uh, so they, they, but I get there and they're telling me, you know, that uh, the neighbor guy came over and like stole their laptop and then, and then, you know, Shit. just came in and took it and his girlfriend had then come over and given it back and was like oh you know tell him oh i'm so sorry he's got this mental health issue and you know blah 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 and and they were like i don't know like but he i can't believe he fucking did this you know like we hang out with him but he can't you know whatever and so uh so then i'm going over to go talk to them and his girlfriend intercepted and she's like i'm so sorry and i don't remember what she said uh his mental health issues were but you know she's like he's in the middle of an episode and so I go over there and I'm like, as I'm walking, I'm like, man, I can't, I can't wait to see what crazy is going to look like, you know, mm-hmm. how's this guy going to try to pull off crazy? And this was very early in my career. So I was fresh off having worked with people that actually have mental illness. Um, and one of the things I noticed in working with them, like when, when people are having, uh, an episode, um, it, it's like their eyes kind of cloud over. It's like you can just tell there's not much going on there. Gotcha. And uh, so I, when I was in Shatter and working with a guy one time, he uh, had one-to-one staffing because he was, he was probably early forties, um, but was very, would get very aggressive. And so he always had one-to-one staffing. And then I was the only guy on staff. So naturally they paired him with me. Um, but in my first six weeks of working with him, I had been hit, kicked, punched, bitten, um, choked, and that sounds like last night. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wish. Wow. So a guy Thanks, hit, kicked, hit, kicked, punched, and choked you last night. You know it. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Peg, I, didn't I didn't peg you as getting to be choked out, Daniel. But good for you. Yeah, a little WWE. He's trying to each their own. He's, he's yeah. opening but, up. But uh, so so after he had bit me, like I had this big bruise on my arm that Damn. you know about the size of a mouth and. Uh, but and I kind of noticed like the the fogged over look like while this incident was happening, and then it was like fifteen twenty minutes. So obviously they paired him with somebody else to calm everything down. Right. It's so like fifteen twenty minutes later he comes over and he's like, "Jared, what happened to your arm?" And I'm like, uh-huh. "Very funny." And he's like, "What?" And I'm like, "Marty, you bit me. That's what happened to my arm." He's like, "Oh, I did." I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, he says. But but it was like but it was a genuine like the look on his face and that's when I realized like when people are in the middle of these episodes, like when the that clouded over his look is going on, I believe they are not truly cognizant because I Right. I don't when we worked with these folks, they would never tell us, you know, what their mental age was, whatever. Okay. 
um, you know, because they want we were supposed to treat them age appropriate, which I don't necessarily agree with because it, I ended up I, I worked at the workshop uh, in the community with these folks for a year, and then I moved to residential, and so then I was just working with Marty one on one at his house, and he had a neighbor, and she was like four years old, and I saw him get in an argument one time, and she won. <laughs> Shit. And I was like, okay, so that tells me about where his mental capacity is. But, okay. you know, I, I don't feel like he, like, when he apologized, was like, he, I, I don't feel like he really had the capacity to fake it. You know, it, it wasn't yeah. like, oh, I'm going to play it off like I didn't, like, like it, the, the look of surprise when I was like, you did this. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, and, and it was like a genuine. But so that's where I really when the the eyes cloud over like that i truly believe like people are not fully aware of what's going on let me ask you this and guys please jump in on uh, any timeline questions i was gonna please. say I, I absolutely agree with that and i'll use myself for for a little guinea pig here when i had low test testosterone i was exactly like that you could talk to me i can hear everything but i just the eyes were clouded over i didn't hear it you know I didn't register anything. Um, I was wondering if that could have been a defensive mechanism that he used when when he got that cloudy cloudiness that he couldn't think. You know, he couldn't be aware, so it was, you know, re, you know, just to react. Oh, I'm sure, and because it was it was typically when that was when his most violent outbursts were, and and I think it's I can only imagine that it's something you know. It, you go into that that reptilian brain that that instinct and right especially you know if you think that if he's got the capacity of thinking at a four or five year old level you know mm -hmm. you don't know what's going on like it's scary you know yeah, I, I think about my exactly kids you know thinking. i my my kids are six and eight and uh the other day uh I don't know. I was kind of a dick. My wife and daughter. My wife and daughter. Uh, no, no, no law enforcement. All right. Well, my wife and daughter went somewhere. And uh, so then I heard my son coming. I was like, Mom? Mom? Dad? And I was laying in bed. And uh, so I just real quick, like, slid off the side of the bed and, like, laid on the floor and, like, kind of tucked up next to bed as... <laughs> And uh, the Nothing way wrong with that, right? Nah. So the way the way the but so anyway, I laid there and like up until like I heard the terrifying, like, oh, dad, and like kids started crying and I'm I was here. like, you know, I'm just like, kidding. all right, I'm here, but just but you know, it's that so so I can only imagine like if you've got that if if he's operated a you know four or five year old level and then like gets that clouded over like there's. Yep. don't know what's going on it's, it's probably scared you know and, yeah. and you go into that that fight or flight mode and so mm -hmm. um so yeah I, I believe he probably didn't know what was going on it probably is just a defense mechanism and that, i and i think like with a lot of people they don't have interaction with anybody that has any or, or seemingly mental illness of any kind right so to them it's like oh it's that group of people no it's actually you know your neighbor's kid who sometimes it has a chemical imbalance or trauma or something that they're dealing mm -hmm. with. So that it can come in all kinds of forms. But I think people are quick to judge, um, especially 20, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. It's becoming a little bit more normalized now that 
we all have some sort of mental, you know, issue, whether it's, you know, trauma or, or otherwise. So, you know, I, I like the fact that it, it's more talked about, you know, especially in men, I guess, you know, right. we, we talked about that in the past it's a, before. It's but, one of the um, groups I'm working on. <clears throat> yeah. The more, I think just the more interaction that we get, the more we talk about it, the more we, we, we figure out solutions and all that, the more it becomes less of a stigma and we don't think, oh, they're just crazy. No, man, they're, right. they're everyday people. And again, they're, they're masking it and whatever it may be physical yep. or, or emotional or some yep. kind of crutch but so fast forward a couple of years I'm, I'm on this call and i'm like i can't wait to see what crazy looks like and i go over and like dude's eyes are clouded over and i'm like oh shit he's not faking like you shit. you can't you can't fake that they clouded over training for that right oh no absolutely yeah. not that see, that's that not that well and it and it's if you haven't spent time working with it, like you have to see it to know it, right. you know, gotcha. like, like you're just, there is no training that outside of lived experience that can really yeah. train you mm -hmm. for that. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, you know, we do train now where you can look for signs and symptoms and stuff, but unless you've experienced working somebody with that glazed over that, that, that fogged over eyes, like you have to have worked with it to know it have you been fortunate enough or, or, or to not have to pull a gun on someone have you been in that position to where you're like like i couldn't imagine what the nerves like that feeling you see a lot of guys i mean obviously we see the news we see the shit that's out there but like having to physically know <laughs> that that shit has to happen Do, have you been in that position before yes okay Yes. Um, I had been on my own for six weeks. Really? Yep. Um, so, well, to finish up last, so I ended up, I did not arrest the guy. No? Because even though I had all of the elements of the crime, I had the suspect there, and I ended up having to write, like, instead of writing, like, roughly a one-page report, like, I came, I saw, I arrested, and everything was, I ended up having to write, like, a three-page report explaining what I saw based on my training experience, I do not believe that he had the mental capacity at that time to right. form the intent. I don't believe that he knew what he was doing was wrong. Okay. Um, so that was, that was an interesting experience. Um, honestly, I never followed up. I don't know what happened with that. I never, I never got called on the carpet. So that's good. Evidently somebody was okay with it. Nice. But, uh, so yeah, so back to your, your question. Um, so, when I got into law enforcement, like I, I loved, loved the job. Um, it was it, everything was new and exciting, and uh, I am a habitually late person. Like okay, just, you too. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thanks, guys. I, it's I, I was. Color people time. Oh. <laughs> that's a, that's so a true I, thing. I, I've heard that, but excuses. <laughs> we're not allowed to say that. <laughs> You can in here. <laughs> this is not a safe not place. when it's recording. No. <laughs> this is a safe place. It's fine. Um, but okay. uh, Sorry, so so I was always showing up to work like at least fifteen minutes early, up to thirty minutes early, and uh, so September sixth, two thousand eight. Not that it's a big deal or anything that I would remember, but September sixth, two thousand eight. Um, <laughs> I show up to work, and I'm you know at the time I was working our overnight shift was ten p.m. to six a.m. Um, I roll into work. It was, you know, like nine twenty because I'm super excited. Like I'm loading up my car. So about nine thirty, 
9.35, right? 9.30, 9.35, call comes out of a cutting. Now, uh, a in cu- my... A cutting? Uh, yep. Oh, okay. Cutting, like, uh, got stabbing. Got a blade. Somebody got a blade, yep. Okay, got it. Uh, somebody getting shanked. Okay. There's my language. Yeah. Thank you. So, uh... Call comes out, and, and the agency I work in, um, they're not frequent. There's a, a neighboring agency that has a lot more of them than we do. And uh, when you're new and young, like it's like, oh, action. Like, So I'm not even supposed to be there for another half hour, but of course I'm like, hey, I'm here. Like, Let's go. Nice. Um, so we head out there. Uh, there was a guy that uh, had been breaking into cars, and a uh, homeowner had a couple friends over, and so they look out the window. They're hanging out, and one of his buddies that's there is – they're watching his car get broken into. So they go out and confront the guy. You know, hey, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, that's our car. And uh, so he stabbed one of them and jumped in his car and took off and wrecked it like three blocks Jesus. down the road. And then oh, he took damn. off on foot. And so uh, everybody's like, the whole crew's getting there. And we're all, we're all driving around looking for everything. And um, I didn't realize it at the time. But again, like I said, I'd been on my own for six weeks. So I'm still the FNG. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we had found uh, some kids that were up to no good. Well, I, I don't know. It seemed like they were up to no good. Turns out, thought we had, like, the guys I was working with were, like, 95, 98% certain that we had our suspect. And they're like, you know, they tell me, you know, just go keep cruising the area just in case. Like, now I recognize that as, hey, new guy, get the fuck out of our hair while we're doing real work. <laughs> So okay. I go, I, I go, and I'm, I'm yeah, I go, and I'm prowling the area and whatever, and uh, some citizens kind of flag me down and like, hey, uh, you know, if I was you, the guy you're looking, you know, whoever you're looking for, if I was you, I would go look in this specific area over here, um, because that's where the kids always hide for hide and seek. Like that's the the classic hiding spot. That's the best hiding spot in the area. If somebody is hiding from you guys, that's where he's going to be. Okay. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm like, as I'm, I'm like, all right, so can you, well, so I went and I, I went around once, didn't really say anything. So I come out, I'm like, can you give me, like, point me a little bit more precisely where, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about. And so as we're looking and they're kind of pointing, like, all of a sudden we see somebody run between houses and across the street and through a street light. And I'm like, oh, shit, it's on. So, uh, yep. So, so I get in this foot pursuit with this guy and, uh, thank you for all my training. Right. <laughs> right. Thank you for being, uh, 23 years old and still light of foot and, uh, having, having right. stamina. Um, but, uh, so I get in a foot pursuit with this guy and, uh, you know, there were several, several times, uh, where, you know, he kind of ducked down to hide somewhere, and you know, so I light him up with a flashlight. And of course, he he had been involved in a stabbing, so I have my gun out because yeah, I don't you, wanna, you don't, don't want to get he, cut. Yeah, you yeah, don't know right? if he's carrying. So, uh, you know, I have have my light out, and I'm giving commands. You know, and it's dark, right? I mean, yeah, yeah it's light, dark. It's... By this time, we're we're up to like eleven o'clock at night. Okay. And uh, you know, early September. Um. And so, uh, you know, there were several times that, you know, I light him up and I'm like, stop. And then, you know, he kind of look at me and take off running again. And the last time, uh, he was kind of tucked over sideways in this bush. And I don't know if he thought that I wouldn't see him. I'd just run past him or what. I was like, that's like, you're not even hiding, bro. Dumb criminals. <laughs> um, but so I, you know, probably I stopped. Probably my cousin. And- probably my cousin. <laughs> no. Fucking hell. No. Right. Just, you know. 
But uh, so I light him up again, <laughs> light him up again, and uh, was. but it, it was it was one of those times where uh, you know when you see somebody you can see the wheel spinning in their head. Yeah. And so he's kind of you know he's kind of tucked over in the bush, has his his hands kind of tucked, kind of almost behind his head, and he kind of lifts his head, and like I can see the see the wheel spinning, and and he looked tired, um, and and I was like okay like. He's done running. I could tell he's done running. He's yeah. ready to give up. So I'm starting to, you know, getting ready to, to transition to a rest mode. Um, and so I'd say a little bit, I, I may have been letting some of my guard down because I'm in my head. I'm thinking, okay, like, again, I'm, I'm brand fucking new. Right. Uh, but I'm, I'm getting ready to go into a rest mode. And all of a sudden he pops up and had his knife in his hand and it was like pucker factor like oh shit and uh so i i shot once now granted at the whole time i'm running um the whole time i'm doing this as i was driving around as i'm running i'm thinking of case law and all the different things you know uh you know uh tennessee v garner the flea and felon doctrine you know all these things that i'm like okay like dude that's crazy you would what am i what am i justified to do okay you know um but but essentially he is you know he's already stabbed somebody pops up at a knife with me, um, but so I shot once and I, I was also thinking the whole time I'm running I'm like I don't want to be the guy because we're in a neighbor you know, we're in a neighborhood run between houses and stuff and I'm like I don't want to be a guy that kills a kid in bed because I shot and missed so I I aimed low which they don't they they. Teach us to shoot center of mass, mm-hmm. but we'll come back to that one. Yeah, I have a problem but, with that. So you what? We'll, we'll come back to that. <laughs> okay. Um, so they teach us to shoot center of mass, uh, highest hit probability, um, and I I will tell you from personal lived experience. Unfortunately, uh, arms and legs are real small targets, especially, yes. and they move very Fast. easily. Yeah. Uh, but so I shot once I missed he turned around and ran and I'm like shit well in in retrospect um, it, it's one of those things but I was like okay wait is he technically a threat to me now now case law would say that I could have lit him up and been justified but I didn't do that uh, because I, honestly I'm glad I missed I don't have to live with having done that right uh, but so then I start chasing after him again um, and it was really interesting. So the, it was there had been a big storm that had come through town. So we, as we were running through uh, the yard, um, part of a fence had blown down. So we run through, and it looks like there's no fence on this house. And we went, run through, and it, it's fascinating the way your your head works when you get this. Uh, we call it an S and S dump. Like you get that adrenaline rush, you get that mm-hmm. fight or flight, like that. Uh, you know, it's primal tunnel, tunnel, vision, tunnel vision, vision, auditory exclusion. Um, it, it's all very real. But so we, we go running and uh, what I didn't realize until later. Um, so we go running and in initially in my memory, we basically rounded the corner and all of a sudden we were at the opposite side of the house um, in the other corner. But so then he's penned in in this yard yard. Yeah. And so. I'm like, all right, he's cornered. So I light him up and I'm starting to give him commands again. And so then he starts coming at me. And so I was like, fuck, like, why would you do that? You know, I shot at you once already. Like, you know, I'll do it. Like, but he starts coming at me. So I shot again and I I missed again, you know, for better or for worse. Um, So then he turns around and he 
climbs up and over the fence. Jesus, determined little fellow. And uh, <laughs> yep, and he took Some off. Spider pig, Pitch primo, right? So uh, so then I tried to go up and over the fence, but it was it was one of those fences. They were. Uh, um, didn't have any space between the slats. It was, you know, it was a wood fence and it was six foot privacy fence and okay. whatever. But, but it's again, it's it's early September. It's getting late. My boots are covered in dew and I can like they're trying to go up the wall and they're just feet keep sliding down. Like so, I end up running back around uh, and I didn't see him again until he was in custody. Um, so eventually, some of my other guys, some of my friends, uh, found him. And uh, ran out of got him, real estate. Yep, got him into custody. Um, but the thing that was amazing to me is, so then I was, you know, commands start showing up, and I have to go and start showing people like where everything happened, and and uh, it, it was fascinating to me because with the tunnel vision, with everything going on, you know, you, you're focused on the threat, you're focused on the thing that's trying to kill you. Um, and so, like I said, initially I. If I would have drawn a map, like we, we, I don't know, somehow we were at one corner of the house and then we were at the other corner. And so then later, as we go back through, I didn't realize that I had run between a space about, um, I don't know, three, four feet wide between the fence and a tree. Damn. Um, went through a whole bit. There was a whole like patio back there. There's grill. There's all kind of like, I hadn't seen any of that. Really? Um, because I had that tunnel vision and, and was so locked in on the guy that just tried to stab me. Jesus. Um, so it was, it was an experience. Mm. Um, I know you guys do. That's a great story. Like, just to experience that, I couldn't even fathom what that would be like. So, so how'd you feel when, when he was in custody? Did you go up and talk to him or anything Come like that? No. Oh, shit, no. The last thing you uh, so, do. So, Look here, motherfucker. Funny oh, enough. I want to like, your ass. Sorry. So I will say that my agency <laughs> has gotten a lot better since then. But uh, So after I saw that he was in custody, like, I went, I saw that he was in custody, I saw him putting him in the car. And, uh, you bitch slap them? You lose. Oh. What's that? No, you didn't bitch. Oh. No, okay. I, I stayed away. But then you lose that adrenaline rush, sure. and uh, you start coming down. Um, and one of the things that happens with that is a lot of people will cry. On top of that, there was I had been through training with one guy. We'd been through the hiring process together. We'd gone to the police academy together. All of that stuff. Uh, and like the week before, uh, as we put it, he got quit for whatever reason. They washed him out of FTO, uh, so they brought him in. They you neither quit or you're going to be fired. So he, he got quit. Um, and I just remember like, so I, I went over and I, I crouched down, um, kind of on, on one knee and, uh, but I was just sitting there thinking, I'm like, Oh my God, like this is the first time I've had a job that I actually like look forward to coming to work. Like Mm -hmm. I get to work early. Like that's awesome. I'm not ready to give this up yet. And like the guy I've been through training with just got, quit last you know just got fired last week for like next to nothing and i just tried to shoot like they're gonna fucking fire me and so like i was crying um come to find out later that almost got me fired because uh, you were crying because there were conversations oh. about well was he cut out for the work uh, and uh weakness. luckily luckily i had a lieutenant there that uh, was a family friend that um i didn't know until later like but he went to school with one of my aunts and luckily he was in that meeting he's like guy he's 23 years old and he just tried to shoot somebody like I would be more concerned if he wasn't emotional. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but 
consequently, I, I found out about that, and so then I learned very quick, you bottle up all your emotions, but then that just gives you a wicked case of complex PTSD, and uh, that gives you more to work out down the road. So I don't recommend that. That's not a good way to deal with emotions. I, Especially us being men. Very true. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, we, we're been through We're like cruising right now, which is great. Uh, I know each of you have questions uh, about law enforcement, guns, so forth. There's. I also want to touch a little bit on the uh, with suicide in the law enforcement because that is huge, man. That's one of the highest uh, rates. That is. And so um, uh, whichever one of you guys want to ask Jared, any questions, anything you might want to know, uh, and uh, we'll definitely uh, let you guys talk, whatever. So I'm, I'm just going to say, so I had a friend of mine who applied for the uh, – police academy and everything and they take that like you said you know they do dive deep into what you've done mm-hmm. your background um my they, they called me up and like yeah we're doing an interview on so-and-so and uh we'd like to ask a couple questions I'm like okay i don't know what good i'm gonna be and they're like yeah uh well does this person <laughs> has he ever asked you for money and i'm like what i mean stuff like that i'm like damn they really yep. get into your character and everything so yep i can validate that that you know they really do dive deep into your background and everything which is good or bad or whatever um but you know that like you said before you know does it i I assume they take that as one part of the overall evaluation because i mean yeah you you could be a shit growing up and you 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 see all these life experiences that help shape you into more times than not you know better person right because you see a a little bit of of the good and bad and the ugly so I, i just wanted to mention that um I just was curious. Do they make you take like a lie detector test or anything like that? Yep. Okay. What are what are some questions that they ask if you remember? Um. God, there. You know, like, have you ever stolen anything? Um. I stole a candy bar once. Right. I did too. <laughs> Fucking, I felt You know what? I, I like threw up. It was horrible. Man. I was like, I'm not cut out for being a yeah. criminal. You know what? I I told him I, you know, I I stole candy when I was a kid. Um, when I worked at a grocery store in high school, like initially they would let us like up to five bucks. You know, we could when we went on break, we could just grab something off the shelf like for a work snack, and then then nice. they kind of ended that policy, and so then we were supposed to pay for it. Yep. And but those of us that had been there when it was free, like we were like. Fuck you, man. Yeah, basically, like, <laughs> yeah, fuck that. Like, you gave it to us, and now you're gonna try, like, whatever. And so I was like, so I guess technically I stole from an employer there. I, I think that was. Have you ever stolen from an employer? Okay. Um, but I'm trying to. I mean, there's there's all kinds of sure. Well, I, all I, kinds of things. I, I don't I, remember. I'd say that stealing stuff would would help you think like a thief. Right. I, mean, well, I definitely. I got a couple uh, buddies from high school that are cops now, and I'm like, I guarantee if they're busting a party, they know which way to run. <laughs> uh, I know a few that are also in law enforcement. I'm like, I never would have thought in a million fucking years you, mm-hmm, who I right. used to party with, yes. used to do some crazy shit with, <laughs> gang banging, getting a lot of crazy stuff at Country Club Village. Uh, it became an officer. Yep. So but you know but, what? Uh, do I, they, do I they think... still do ride-alongs, by the way? Yes, they do. Oh, I I recommend that to anybody. Who especially along. yeah, especially if you have like a maybe a, a certain way, a certain way that you feel about law enforcement, take a ride along because no, that gives you a really good perspective of what they go through. Well, and, and I always tell people, uh, whenever I did ride alongs, I always told them I was like, all right, here's the deal. At the end of the night, you're either gonna think I am the 
most overpaid government employee you've ever met or the most underpaid because it seems like it's always feast or famine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and going back also to the, uh, you know, kind of the idea of the thin blue line, whatever, I, I had a guy do a ride along with me one night that he wanted to get into law enforcement. And so, you know, we were talking and I'm like, hey, that's cool. And, you know, and why do you want to get into law enforcement? He's like, man, because, you know, I just, I really like the power that you guys have. And, like, I just want to be able to come in and, like, yep. you know, tell somebody to sit down and shut the fuck up. And, like, they're going to do it. And I was like. Power trip. Uh-oh. I was like, this a, is not good. I was like, A, buddy, you are clearly misunderstanding how much power we have or don't have. B, if that's why you want to get into it, you better find another field. Mm-hmm. And that kind of. Uh, attitude that kind of personality is one of the things that gets screened out in the i was gonna ask about psyche that. valve mm-hmm. but i but the we don't like those kind of guys so it's it's crazy to think a lot of people look at you guys as police officers but you, you wear mi- multiple capes oh, a father yeah. a father figure a protector mm-hmm. a teacher you know um a shrink yeah to some people yep and it's it, it's just you know when they give you guys that bad rep they need to they need to look more and they need to look behind the badge and and it's funny because uh, and especially as a school resource officer like uh, there's a lot more opportunity to do informal counseling and like have more interactions with or, or ongoing interactions with the same people. Um, but it was funny when I went to grad school and like they're teaching us these different counseling techniques and stuff and there was stuff I was like. Oh shit! I've been doing that for years. Like, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. it turns out that's got an. I thought You're I was like, original. Like, I thought where's I made my that raise. Up. Where's my raise? <laughs> right. Um, but but I would say really ninety percent of copying is counseling. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you feel a lot of? Um, I mean, as an officer seeing someone speeding do you just just you'll see that and you're like i'm gonna do it or is it like man you just sit because i see a lot of them sit i see a lot of them trail i see a lot i mean i see them all the time and it doesn't matter what county i'm in but like is there a a point where you're like yeah i I gotta do this so where there's it kind of depends every guy's got their niche my niche is the mental health thing there are traffic guys that like they love traffic, you know. They there's, there's, there's shit. Yeah, there's drug guys that are all about like finding drugs and getting dope and stuff. You know, like traffic has never been my thing. Uh, I had five speeding tickets before I got hired in law enforcement. <laughs> um, you know, it was only when uh, my insurance agent called me. You know, and I'm like 20 years old, I think. And my insurance agent calls me. He's like, "Hey, Jared." I'm like, "Hey, Ryan. What's up?" No. <laughs> oh. So you got another speeding ticket. And I was like, yeah, that's, yeah, I did. He's like, you get one more of those, I'm, I'm going to have to drop you and you're going to have to get our SR-22 insurance. SR-22. And I was like, good oh, times oh, on that. Okay. Uh, I, so, <laughs> I almost didn't get hired because I had too many spir- uh, speeding tickets. Yeah. So that, yeah. that slowed me down. Um, okay. But so I always feel a little bit hypocritical. Um, so everybody's got their own thresholds. And, and when they will do a ticket, when they won't do a ticket, whatever. So I'll be honest, I live in the 10 to 15 over zone. That's just typically where I cruise. Uh, I'm going to be honest. There's Thank a lot you. of fucking shitty drivers in Omaha. Dude. Oh, yes, there Big are. Time. 100%. I see dicks all the time. It's yeah. fucking, I mean, that's not horrible. Um, <laughs> Is that California license plate or Texas? Yeah. <laughs> dude, they're everywhere. And here's the thing that, that drives me fucking batshit crazy is it's a red... On the turn signal, 
or on the turn, and they're still fucking going. And I'm like, dude, mm-hmm. what the fuck you want me to do? Like, it's I'm just gonna wait for you. Just like, I mean, red has become a just like, ah, eh, maybe. Yeah, it's the entitlement thing. Yeah, I mean, and it never used to be that bad, but, like, dude, I've lived in other cities, I've been to other cities, and I'm like, dude, at least they fucking respect that. Honestly, it's, uh, since the COVID shutdown, um, there was, there was a period of time during COVID when everybody was scared, um, and, like, we were instructed, like, unless it is something super egregious, super dangerous... Don't pull them over. Don't don't pull anybody over because they don't want to run the risk of us getting caught. I mean, with all the stupid, you know, you had to be gone for however long. Like at times, staffing got tough, you know, because I mean, you know. Anyway, I'm not not gonna I'm not gonna get into that. But uh, so it's but so for you know a year year and a half, we were instructed don't make traffic stops and. Man, people took advantage of that, and I just I feel like there was that that period of no enforcement that has caused an increase in poor driving poor behaviors drivers. because okay. because people just got used to doing whatever the hell they want. I, and, I don't, and I don't think it's just driving. I think it's just like nature and behavior in general. You know, because I, I live downtown and we have a, a big homeless problem, and it's like spiked. Big time. I've been there like four years now, and, it, and and the difference between when I first moved there and now after COVID, my God, mm-hmm. it's big time. Um, Derek, I wanted to ask you real quick before we run out of time and everything. So I, I want to mention that, um, you know, the fact that you worked in schools and all that, that's great. Yep. We need community policing more than ever before. Absolutely. Because I'll be very honest with you, when I grew up and everything, I was part of that crowd that was like, oh, God damn, you know, we grew up in the era of NWA, fuck the police, and mm-hmm. this and this and that. Dude, that's my jam. Oh, see? <laughs> Ain't that bad? That's cool as hell. All right? <laughs> So, you know, we, we did kind of grow up with, you know, the cops being, you know, the antagonistic per- people in the community and everything. So, uh, but, you know, you grow up and, and you figure out, you know, they're they're human just like anybody else. You know, right. they go home. Um, if anything, you know, they put their lives on the line just like firemen and everything. So they, they are due a certain kind of respect. Host but riders. I do feel at the same time, you know, those small minority that are within uh, the force and everything that have that superiority complex, the... Uh, the white nationalist uh, ideals there are and, let, and let's not deny that because there are some in the forest unfortunately maybe not locally here but definitely na- na- uh, nationwide and all that so i just want to bring that to the forefront because that does happen uh but i also wanted to lighten it up a little bit and give you a couple quick questions if you don't mind yep, absolutely yes or no and all that um have you ever made an arrest off duty no Except last time, I, I I didn't make an arrest. You didn't make an arrest, make but an arrest. I saw you go into police mode. Definitely went into work mode. Work mode. So we uh, we went to a con, and actually I'm I don't know if you noticed I'm, I, I I'm saw, wearing the shirt from I the concert. It. Yeah, uh, I love we, it. We went to a concert and uh, we were watching uh, the Black Moods were the headliner. Um, Citizen Soldier was the I don't know the opener. Opener, and then there there were some local bands that uh, were also openers um but so like we're we're sitting there and like i'm i'm off duty i'm i'm Drinking. way way out of my jurisdiction um just there to have a good time yeah. uh and uh, i i was really excited to see citizen soldier they've got a song that uh it's i'm not okay and it's uh really speaks to me um you, you want to hear a song that really talks about like 
I, I think why people in uh, law enforcement, uh, first responders, military don't talk about things like this guy hits a nail on the head. Um, but so I'm real excited to see their set, and then all of a sudden these people in front of us, like mm-hmm. there's this argument breaks out, and I kind of like start taking this stuff forward. My wife is like, no, no. No, Jared, you're, Dude, we were standing right next to this. All this shit went down. It's crazy. You're man. off duty. Like, it's not not our thing. And I'm kind of like, okay, but I'm watching it. And I'm watching it escalate. And I'm kind of like, and she's like, nope, nope. We're just enjoying the show. And I'm like, okay. And then they started shoving. And she's like, okay, you can go now. So then I go and I get between them. And I'm just like, guys, you know, I'm trying, guys, like, let's just enjoy them. We're here to enjoy the music. Like, calm. Like, like what, whatever this is, it doesn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. just chill out let's enjoy the show you know and and then i hear the guy that's behind me is like i'm the bouncer and i'm like oh you're the bouncer where you been right i'm like well so it was guy that he was trying to talk to and was potentially going to throw out then starts fighting with him and uh so i'm like oh you're the bouncer i'm like what you trying to get him out let's get him out then so then we pushed him out the door and uh so it didn't make an arrest but but he was always yeah, on that. that was you, crazy though. You did the right thing. You did the walk and talk. Yeah. Yep. So so I I, bou- I bounced for for a lot of years too, and I had to retrain a lot of bouncers because it's not physical force. They're drunk. They they're not coherent. Just like you were talking earlier, you you walk and talk. You you walk them to the door. Say hey, look, come back next week. I'll buy you a beer or something like that. Get them out yep. out of that state of anger and confusion. Yeah, well, he he still tried to throw a couple punches over my shoulder, and then that's when I was like, "All right, we're yeah, kind of push him out the door." You did show and, the uh, badge though, um, or just tell him like, "Hey, man, you should not be I, doing this." I don't think I. I think my wife was like, "Just so you know, he's a cop. So if you hit him, you're assaulting an officer." Well, yeah, she got your back. You out. Yeah, yeah, she did, and I was like. Well, yeah, but I think that was also because then I think there were other bouncers coming in that were starting to look at me like I was putting. She's like, "He's a cop. He's helping." Yeah, he's helping. So, uh, but then when the local jurisdiction showed up, then because then they they went out the side door and tried to come back around to the front, but then the other bouncer and I like went up. And we're like, uh, "Don't let them in." Mm. But then when the other cops got, got there, I was like, "Hey, I'm I'm off duty, so uh, here's Kitty. what we got." Yeah. And, <laughs> then, and then as soon as yeah. uh, as soon as the of course, as soon as the local jurisdiction there started walking up, then they decided it was time to skedaddle. Nice. So, Derek, have you ever used your job to pick up a girl? No. No. And uh, so we've got a term for those that like cops. They're badge bunnies or holster sniffers. Oh, uh, <laughs> you know, whichever. Like, like the rodeo, buckle See? bunnies. Buckle yep. bunnies, yep. man. I was 10 but, years uh, old when I've heard that. I have, uh, I have never used that to pick up chicks. Um, okay. Do you, have, do you own multiple guns or a gun? I don't own a gun, let alone multiple oh. guns that would necessitate needing a Fucking gun rack. great movie. God bless it. Thank you. Okay. Good okay. stuff. Wayne's Go World. Wayne's no, World. I, I, do, I, do own, Never seen I do own multiple firearms. Okay. Um, is there a particular time where you arrested somebody and you forgot the Miranda rights? Ooh, good question. Uh, no, but so there's a common misconception because of TV. Everybody thinks like as soon as handcuffs go on, they have to read them the Miranda rights. So Miranda only comes into play when you are uh, detained, not free to leave, and you are being questioned or interrogated. Um, and it has to be, be you know, things beyond uh, there are... Um, 
like uh, a public safety exception. Like if there was a gun used in a crime and we're looking like, where's the gun? Like I can ask you that out in, in Miranda doesn't apply because it's, it's a public safety. We trying to locate it. Mm. Uh, hmm. You know, if it's dumped in a trash can somewhere or something, you don't want a kid to find it. Um, but it's uh, so it's not. And uh, you know, if we're, if we're sitting, um, you know, I, for example, I had, uh, you get a situation where you got an idea, you got some suspects, and you go and interview them. But if if they're not detained and you're not, they might say things that incriminate them, but you don't arrest them at that minute. Mm-hmm. And so Miranda doesn't apply. Yeah, because they're not they're not detained. They're not in custody. Yeah. Um, and and they're there because they're not detained they're there speaking to you voluntarily okay you know i gotta ask this right yeah donuts yes or no in 15 and a half years of being in law enforcement i have never eaten a donut in uniform i refuse to propagate the stereotype uh, i love include, donuts does that include I, a bear claw i that includes I, <laughs> pastries <laughs> in general i love blood bear that's why I'm pa- asking. Pastry, pastries in general like i don't don't eat them in uniform now <laughs> Do you know where that stereotype comes from, though? No, I'm curious. So back in the day, I'm well, early in my career. I was fortunate to live in a time of 24-hour policing, where a uh, 24-hour world, where restaurants there were a lot of restaurants open 24 hours. Uh, but COVID really kind of killed that. So when I went back onto overnights, I was very sad to learn that most things, like the latest things, are open up to like 11. Yeah. So you had to get your dinner early. But yep. but so at least I got places open till 11. Back in the day. You know, everything closed at six, seven o'clock. So the guys that were working overnights, uh, I can tell you from experience, I was sitting on one location uh, surveilling somewhere and I saw somebody go into a donut shop that was close to where I was. And I was like, what the hell? It was three in the morning. And I'm like, what is going on? Uh, But it actually, I was on the borderline of my jurisdiction. So I called the neighboring jurisdiction. I'm like, hey, uh, you guys might have a burglary. Like I'm sitting here, I'm going to keep an eye on it, but you might want to send somebody to come check it out. But it turns out it was just somebody like they come in at three in the morning to start baking fresh donuts so that they're ready for the morning rush. Yep. But so because of that, so I know that they go in at three in the morning to do that so that they can open up five thirty six was so in the days before twenty four hour restaurants were available, before you know you could go get McDonald's at four in the morning, three in the morning, uh cops had to wait until the first thing opened and the first thing that opened was a donut shop. So guys have been working all night. They go into the donut shop to go get some food and then as everybody's on their way to work, they always see the cop cars outside the donut shop. About and that? so that's that's yeah. where that stereotype comes from. I like that. I would never have known that. Um, with, obviously, the, the, the mountain lion that's running around. If, if somebody that's was... That's not one of my exes, by the way. Okay, just checking. If somebody, I'm surprised that Danny hasn't found it yet. I heard he's a real cougar hunter. Oh! I mean, you know, if, it, maybe if somebody could put a little nurse hat on it, like <laughs> we'd be here now. Tame that bitch all night long. <laughs> Doctor Feelgood. Um, okay, so we know about the new law that's coming with the the, the carry. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you educate us a little bit on that? Um, obviously, what it becomes effect or has it? Or, uh, sometime in early September. Okay, it will it will go into effect. Right, can you give me a little bit of heads up on that? What does that all mean and entail? Um. 
I'll be perfectly honest. I haven't uh, read through the full statutes yet, but essentially the base understanding I have is that uh, Nebraska is no longer going to require you to have a permit to carry concealed. Okay. Um, And uh, so you could, in parts of Nebraska, you could already open carry. Like just walk around with a gun on your hip. Right. Um, But places like Omaha had ordinances that did not allow that. But now those ordinances are negated. Okay. So you can you, once this goes into effect, um, you can open carry, you can seal carry, and it's a constitutional right. There, no classes, no, no training, no training, no training involved, no nothing. Fucking crazy. That is kind of it is nuts. So man. it's I, I'm not sure how to feel about it. Okay. Um, I'm I'm. I like firearms, and, and I think it's ironic. My mom was always very anti-gun, well, not anti-gun, but like if I had a toy gun, it was always I always lost it really quick. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm an ADD kid; I lose things, but it was always interesting, mom, like how quickly. It wasn't until I was a parent that I realized how it was that I always lost those so quickly. Mm-hmm. But uh, so my mom was not a, a big fan of me having toy guns and things. So I think it's funny that my profession now, but. Uh, but no, so I'm. Uh, I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I, I yeah, it's, think it's a new thing for it, sure. It will be interesting to see what happens statistically. Um, but it, so my parents have come a long way. When I uh, first started my career, um, it really weirded them out. Like when I would come over off duty with a gun, and um, they basically told me at one point they're like wait don't come over if you have a gun on it i'm like uh, probably not gonna see me much then because well at that point it was because it's new and exciting and because i can um and, and a chip uh, on your shoulder well it was more just because i can <laughs> it was it was new and exciting and because i can it's you know it's like when you got your new remote control car you know you're gonna drive that thing up and down the street and uh it's getting dark out don't do that <laughs> Okay, whatever. Or, or but, like a uh, new woman, or yeah, a new cooker, a rider. There you go. Um, but go ahead. But so uh, anyway, so my mom. Uh, so then, years later, my parents moved down to Texas, and my dad was traveling a lot for work. Texas is a big difference. And uh, mm-hmm. and so then, all of a sudden, my mom was talking about getting her concealed carry permit because my dad was gone a lot, and she just didn't always feel safe being home yep. alone. And the thing I told my mom, I was like, you know. I am all for it if you're going to go and train. You you need to shoot regularly enough that you know you're going to hit your target. And you also have to know, you have to have the mental constitution that if you're in a threatening situation, if you pull that gun, you have to know you're going to use it. Because otherwise, somebody's going to take your gun from you and kill you with it. Yep. And so you need to know... You need to know your laws. You need to you need to know when you can do that, when you can't, and you have to know that you're going to be able to do it, or you're going to get yourself hurt. Uh, consequently, my mom never got her concealed carry permit, and, and I respect that. She's like, I, I don't know that I can yeah. do that. Um, um, go ahead. But so yeah, so but so I don't know how I feel about it. It'll be interesting to see what happens with it. Um, I just hope we don't have a lot of. I, I think, 
I can foresee a lot of people are going to end up with charges because they, they haven't looked. I mean, if, if you're drinking, you can't have a gun. Um, there, there are different things uh, within the law that if – Anything that, like fine, fine print, like anything else, you know? Right, not like, knowing maybe. Oh, need, I didn't know I, I, I could walk in right. the bar with this. And and as we learn in our law class, ignorance is no right. excuse. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. And so, if you're going to do it, know what you're doing. Um, and so, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are just you know, oh, I, I didn't know I couldn't do that. And I was like, well, now you do. And here's a little written reminder for you. Please show up to court. Damn. One mm-hmm. thing that I did notice when I was looking into some stuff that in 2020, 116 police officers died by suicide, while 113 died in the line of duty in 2022. Um, they, they were talking tragically. Law enforcement officers have a 54% increase in suicide risk. Do you believe that this is 100% accurate absolutely absolutely it it, it, and i can only imagine by what you had already said just the 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 mental capability and to be able to hone like the daily in and out like anything when you walk out that door you have no idea what's going to happen but you You got you got to learn too to turn it on and turn it off when you go through that front door to see your family right yeah or or you don't and you end up divorced multiple times and your kids don't talk to you and mm-hmm. uh yeah. um and, it, and it's interesting so uh i have what i a, a transition between work and home um for me when i uh when i come home i typically i go i take my uniform off and i'll i typically sit and play some kind of a mindless game on my phone for like 15 20 30 minutes yeah. you know you depending on what's going on mm-hmm. and it's it, it it lets me decompress but it also i i found out um Apparently there are two Jareds. There's there's cop Jared and husband Jared. Not cop Jared. Okay. Um, and I found this out when I was with my first wife, um, because I uh, I was working on Halloween and my my ex wife, her best friend, and husband were over to our house, and I happened to be working in the area uh, where my house was, and so you know I I knew they were over, so I stopped by to say hi, you know whatever and. And trick-or-treaters started showing up at the door. And uh, so I kind of – I was standing right there, so I answered the door. You know, I kind of hand out candy or whatever. and and uh, But the kids were like, oh, hi, oh, look, you're a cop. Oh, that's right? a good costume. <laughs> right? oh. That's an amazing costume. That looks extremely realistic. Like real gun. <laughs> like, Can uh, I hold it? But uh, so said. then, uh, you know, we're uh, – talk a little bit more and some more kids show up. And so I kind of give some – and I'm like, all right, guys. like, So I told, told my friend, I'm like, dude, hey – Come and give these kids some candy. And he's like, oh, no, no, you're doing fine. You got it. And I was like, no, really. Like, come give these kids the candy. Because in my mind, I'm like, I'm on duty. I'm just stopping by to say hi. Like, so I'm just going to call and complain that we're paying a cop. You know, this is our tax yeah. dollars at work. He's handing out candy at home. You know, like. Yeah. So, but to me, I'm just like, no, dude, come on. But I guess according to him, it was more like a, you, now, do it. You know, and so mm. I guess. When I'm in cop mode, I have a little bit more of an edge, and and I don't know if it's the uniform presence or whatever that gives that more of that uh, authoritative whatever. Um, but then there was another time when I was out with my current wife and some friends, and we were out bowling, and then ran into some coworkers, and apparently that was switched me into cop mode. Interesting. Um, and uh, like our friends were like. What's wrong with Jared? Like, why do you, why is he such an asshole now? You know, and I was like, is it because you're always on guard? Like, to me, that would be the the thing. Like, you are trained. You are you're always 
watching the room. You got absolutely. Be, you got to be by the book. Yeah, because it's your ass on the line regardless. Somebody could rat your ass out in two seconds. Right. You know, and so it protects you, you and your family. You know, but right. I, I mean, I would think that that would be a lot of it, right? Um, I don't. I don't know. I, I think it's well, and I think there's just uh, as a law enforcement officer, there is an expectation of right. you to have control of a scene to manage that, um, yeah. and so you have to have a bit more of that authoritative presence, right? Um, more like a leader, right? Yeah, and it's uh, and so that can also come off as being an asshole, you know, and especially for, I'm a really laid back person. So if I'm with people who are used to me being really laid back and all of a sudden I'm like getting snippy and like taking charge and like, no, like, Whoa, that's, it's unusual. Who flipped the switch? Right. Why is he being, but so anyway, so, uh, when I get home, I take a couple you know, 10, 15, 30 minutes, uh, and decompress, decompress, play some games on my phone, whatever. And, my wife has told me, she's like, I'd much rather have you come home and do that because there, there's just something about it. it. It lets me switch gears in my brain um, where I switch from being in cop mode into being dad mode. And yeah. if I don't get that decompression time, if I don't get that opportunity to switch gears, um, if I don't pay attention, if I don't catch myself, I find that I'm a lot more um, – I, I'm a lot shorter with the kids, and you know, because when you're a cop, you tell people to do stuff, you expect them to do it, you know, because you're stuck in that. Yeah, well, that's going to be so, a home balance. And so it's uh, so when guys don't have that, you know, then they're just an asshole all the time. My, so, my cousin's husband does that. He he works for uh, New Orleans, and when he gets home, video games or watches something for yep. for an hour. Well, when I was looking to the 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 jobs with the highest suicide rate, this was really interesting. You guys, any? I mean, obviously, police officers run a list. Firefighters. Um, no, not on that one. Actually, Our, uh, um, uh, there's a couple mar- stock market investors, doctors, uh, paramedics. So firefighters in yep. a sense, like Post that. responders, uh, which would be extremely tough. Farmers, which was really interesting. I didn't know. I wouldn't have thought that. Lawyers, electricians. Real estate agents have one of the highest suicide rates. Uh, financial service, so stock market probably, and that one. Uh, veterinarians, I never <laughs> would have thought that. But yeah, it's right here. I, it's, so much for therapy. I animals. killed Fido. I'm out of here. Dude, you know what though? I, I mean, I was be. The, it's it's working with that. It's you life. got kids or kids saying goodbye to their fucking dog who that was what they raised with. And I mean, dude, I've been to the animal hospital down the street. I could totally get that. Would be a tough gig, man. Uh, for anybody just to be able to see these kids right. crying and it's an animal and everything else, which is part of your family. Obviously, police officer is number one yeah. on that list. So, yeah, I mean. Wait, in, in retired suicides are crazy, too. And uh, I have a theory on that that I developed in uh, grad school. Uh, when you look at Eric Erickson's uh, stages of development, um, there's uh, essentially as you go through the stages of development, there's in, in his theory, there's a healthy way of doing it and a not healthy way of doing it. Right. And so if you hit a stage where you do it in an unhealthy way, like you kind of get stuck there and, and you pr- progress along the negative path. And uh, so a- at the end stages of life, then uh, if you're on the positive side, if things have gone well for you, um, you know, you're, you're looking at hope and prosperity and like you've, you've got a positive outlook for the world. And if 
you're on the negative side of it, you know, you get to doom and gloom and uh, mm-hmm. we're going to hell in a handbasket, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my theory is, and, and I base this on um, a training that I've been involved with for 13 of my 15 years. We used to do a, a icebreaker and we called it your new best friend. And where you, whoever you were sitting next to, you got their name, you know, what agency they were with, how long they've been with them, uh, your proudest moment, your most embarrassing moment, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it always struck me how many people, despite being married, having kids, being college graduates, how many their proudest moment was when they graduated the police academy. And I'm like, that's weird. Why is that? (laughs) Um, but then when I look at it, you know, a lot of folks that are going into law enforcement or, or the military for that matter, and, and I would say the military also has a high suicide rate uh, amongst those mm-hmm. coming out. Um, but uh, you go into that kind of at the tail end of the, in Eric Erickson's theories, the age range for your identity formation stage. And whether you're at boot camp or you're at the police academy, you know, I, I don't know what the hose draggers do. Um <laughs> You know, whatever their their academy is, their training. Um, I'm pretty sure they have a. What you call it a hoe? <laughs> I'm pretty sure they have a, a whole class on how to fuck up evidence, but uh, whatever. <laughs> but in that time, you know, they really they tear you down and they build you up into you know you're a cop, you're a cop, you're a cop, you're a soldier, you're a soldier, you're a soldier, whatever. So you get that whole identity wrapped up in that honor and uh, right, and mm-hmm. so then. You go through your career, and, and as you go through your career, and, and honestly, I would argue part of this too is is part of PTSD because you know with PTSD, you insulate yourself from whatever hurts you, and over the course of law enforcement, over a thirty year career, like everything is a threat. You know, everything can hurt you, mm-hmm. right. and so you surround yourself just with other cops because cops have always got my back. You know, people on the street, you never know when they're going to turn on you. You know. Yeah. It, if you've been through riots, uh, you know, you never know who's what soccer mom or, or yeah. the teenagers that, you know, get a ride from their soccer mom to go downtown and start throwing bricks and shit at you. That's true. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like anybody can be a threat. So you you surround yourself with those that you know that are, you're safe with. And but then you, you go and you retire and you don't have that safety net. All of a sudden, you know, and, and you hit a. A lot of guys hit a point in their career where there's like there's two kinds of people in the world. There's cops and everybody else. And typically they don't look the most kindly on everybody else. And so now all of a sudden you retire and I'm not a cop anymore. By process of elimination, I'm everybody else. And if you have done that identity formation stage incorrectly so you're on that doom and gloom despair path at that mm-hmm. end stage you know it's like man the world's going to hell in a handbasket like mm-hmm. i'm not a cop anymore i'm i'm part of everybody else and like god now i'm you know you're gonna be paranoid well, it's and and not to mention to off yourself is higher right yeah. and not to mention just all of the trauma and stuff that uh you know i tell you, i had a i had a 10 day span of death and destruction um and I don't know, I had been on the job for uh, four or five years, three, four years. It was it was fairly early because I was still in undergrad. I was finishing my undergrad. I actually I went back to school to do my undergrad. Uh, so that was in 2010. So 
Yeah, I'd been, you know, between like three three and four years somewhere in there. But I had this 10-day span of death and destruction. And it started off, uh, I woke up to text messages that a friend of mine that was a trooper out in western Nebraska had been shot multiple times with an AK-47 on a standoff. Um, later that same day, we had our own standoff where, uh, you know, in and of itself isn't super traumatic. But I got called in early because everybody was involved in that, um, you know, dude pointed a gun at my friend's. Which, you know, again, isn't super traumatic, but it's uh, makes you examine your humanity. You're, you yeah. think you're invincible, but then all of a sudden you're looking down the barrel of a gun. You don't feel as invincible anymore. Um, so they, did they bring you in to de-escalate then, or what, what exactly? No, I I got brought in. So this was early in my career before I had my schooling, but okay. I, I got brought in because there was so much manpower gotcha, uh, gotcha. on that. Focus. They needed. They called people in to handle other calls that were going on so that we were still addressing the needs yeah. of the county um but so we had the uh, had the had the two standoffs then um the next day or two days later uh had one of our canine handlers was out of his car on a traffic stop on the interstate when a guy that was high on methamphetamine plowed into him um i went from that accident to another accident there were two 18 year olds that uh, there had been a broadcast put out for a reckless driver but uh two 18 year olds got t-boned by this reckless driver and uh, he was going fast enough after he impacted these kids he hit a power pole moved the power pole eight inches damn like there was there was an eight inch hole in the ground um literally left his engine on the side of the road like it broke all the engine brackets engines on the side of the road his car kind of craned down a hill he was drunk um if you guys don't know long Drunks have the dumbest luck, uh, be, but because he yeah. was drunk and had the luck of a drunk, he survived a torn aorta. Damn. Um, that was really interesting. I, I got to go read him implied consent as they're like prepping for surgery so that we could get a blood sample. Um, so, so so we had that. Uh, Dude, that's just... So those accidents. Hold on. We're, uh, so then we had a 19-year-old drown in a river. Uh, we did CPR on him, life flighted him. He didn't make it. Had a 24-year-old veteran that died in a car accident just short of the Dodge County line. Like, if, if he had rolled, like, if he had been another 200 yards, it would have been Dodge County's problem. But he didn't make it that far, so it was mine. Um, <laughs> and then there was there's one other thing that uh, I always forget, and I'm, but I'm pretty sure it was uh, we had a, a missing person, suicidal, um, they found his car at a local lake area. I was at his apartment with his pregnant girlfriend um, as they are going and discovering that he had offed himself. Jesus. And she's, you know, so she's in there like, what's going on? What's going on? Where is he? And so then, you know, and then so didn't tell her anything. I was waiting for chaplains to get there. But then her, somebody she knew had gone by and came and told her and uh but anyway so that was all in 10 days fuck and, i couldn't um, even imagine that in right? a 10 day period and so uh so after that by the end of that i was basically a zombie and i was finishing my undergrad at the time i'd gone back to school was finishing my undergrad and um so first i i went and i i talked to an uncle of mine that was in law enforcement and that was not real productive um he was just like, well, you think you're cut out for the job? I was like, well, shit, I've been doing it for like, whenever it was, three or four years now, you know, like, it's just been a real shitty 10 days. He's like, oh, 
I don't know. I guess I just never had a hard time leaving work at work. And I was like, oh, sweet. Good for you. All yeah. right. Well, I'm going to go blow some shit up. We're at a 4th of July party. So... <laughs> Like, good talk. I'm going to go blow shit up. Uh, but so well, then. Well, you need an outlet. Right. So uh, so at the time, I was in my undergrad at UNO finishing that up. And so you could get 10 free counseling sessions. And so uh, mental health is kind of bad words in law enforcement. But I was like, you know what? Like, I got to do something. So I went in. And uh, it got a little bit awkward um, the first time, but so they have these intake forms that you got to do, and they ask all these questions. And you know, one of them is like, "Why are you coming in for counseling today?" So I list off all this shit, and then, uh, but then part of it too, they've got a suicide screen in there, and I, I feel a little bit bad for this poor GA who was there because I'm doing the suicide screen, and I recognize the questions because we ask them in law enforcement. You know, like it's whatever, it's what we do, and so I, I'm, you know, do you feel the need to hurt yourself? Like well, anything, it's like. Uh, you know, or if, do you want to kill yourself today? You don't know, but, um, you know, if you're going to kill yourself, do you know how? And I'm like, yes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so I, like, I'm, I'm reading these and I recognize my kind of chuckling and this poor G, she's like, what's funny. <laughs> and I'm like, well, like, you got to understand, like, this is what I do for work. So like, if I wanted to kill myself, like I know exactly how I would do it. And she's like, ah! and I'm like, no, no, I, I assure you I'm fine. Like, but, <laughs> but if I wanted to kill myself, like I know exactly how I do it. And, you know, but I also know that life insurance, you know, you just put a gun to the side of your head, like life insurance doesn't always pay, pay. out for that. So right. like, am I pissed at my family or do I want them to get some money? Like either way, I know how to kill myself. Like, Technically, I've got yeah. multiple ways I could kill myself. Like, and she was, you know how to do it. Right? I'm, so I'm pretty sure she had to go talk with her uh, supervisor before I was allowed right. to go home that day. <laughs> but uh, I did get to go home. But So then I go in for the next sessions, and, and I didn't understand at the time. So counseling is supposed to be patient-driven. Um, you know, so I would tell me more. Yeah, right? Yeah. So uh, it's supposed to be patient-driven. So I'd go in, and I'm like, well, what are we going to talk about today? And she's like well, what do you want to talk about? And like, to me, I listed out all the shit on the intake form. Like, these are the things, this is what brought me in. Quite frankly, I don't want to talk about any of them, mm -hmm. but I know I need to. You, so you pick your poison. Right. I don't, I don't, but so it was, what do you want to talk about? And I never, well, well, I, I, I good can be for you stubborn. To, good for you to recognize that. Most right. people don't recognize it until well, it's too late to the uh, Right. Well, so, so the issue became... The issue became that because I never chose what to talk about, we talked about my relationship with my parents, my relationship Ouch. with my All sisters, underlying stuff, my relationship with my now ex-wife. You know, maybe we should have spent a little more time there, but fuck it, she's gone. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, you know, but but we never got into the traumas of work. And to be fair, now having been having gone and gotten that education like that setting is not appropriate for doing trauma work like you need somebody that is trained in trauma work um that's a lot to unpack for a graduate assistant that you know it's uh but we never never touched on that stuff and so i really i left there feeling like man like okay nothing's been up. resolved like yeah i i left there feeling like okay i'm just broken and fucked up like maybe i just need to go find my solace in the bottom of a bottle of Captain Morgan, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but then luckily I stumbled up upon some training uh, talking about vicarious trauma, compassion, fatigue, and burnout. And I went to that training. Like as I was reading through the, the 
signs and symptoms of like compassion fatigue, vicarious trauma. I was like, holy shit! Like, has somebody been following me around? That's me. And uh, yeah, like that is me. And it <laughs> um, it it was um, so I really dove into that and uh, realized that I'm not completely fucked and broken, and and things can get better. Um, <laughs> you know, and and that's the thing though with with mental health in general uh, is that. I think of mental health is kind of like a cancer of the brain and, and obviously not cancer in a literal sense, but, but it's a cancer where it's, it's something that just because you have a mental illness and just because you have depression, it doesn't mean you're always going to be depressed. But once you've had that depression and stuff, like you're always going to be a little more susceptible to it. And so just like once you have cancer, it goes into remission, but once you're done with the initial treatments, like you have to have more checkups and, and Mm -hmm. just to make sure that everything is good, you know, and just the same, like, you know, you fix your, you know, air quotes around fix, you fix your depression, whatever you get to feeling better. Well, that, that doesn't mean that you're going to be hunky dory forever. You know, you still got to go in and, you know, still go in and do a check-in. And once you've gone several times and, you know, you, just keep spacing them out further and further, but it's good still just to go check in and, and it's very cyclical. Um, uh, there's a, a great book out. It's called the body keeps the score. And, uh, I, I firmly believe that your body, uh, definitely remembers. Wait, what was it called? Trauma. It's not hit the bodies to the floor. No, not, oh, not, not, not let the bodies hit the floor. That's what I heard. Sorry. The body keeps a score. The body keeps a, <laughs> let the body keep the score. <laughs> no, uh, but so it's, the body keeps the score. But but I think it, it's really interesting because uh, I've noticed. So I I've had actually uh, the anniversary of my shooting. Um, I had another ten years to the day. Uh, I had another major trauma, um, and but just there are little things in between that. I, I get into a funk like my body remembers and, and honestly I got one coming up um, so I just I talked to a friend of mine that's a therapist yesterday I'm like hey I gotta I gotta get in and do some work dude that's good um, that's good because, that you recognize that though man well and it's it, because of my because of my schooling you know yeah. and it's and it's funny because even with all of my schooling uh, there's a lot of times where I'm like god I'm just in this like why am I just de-? like I, I don't have anything that should be and then it'll be like then I look at a date and I'm like oh it's because I'm like three days from this anniversary okay makes sense um but and I but I think there's a lot of uh, so you get these traumas and and, and these things happen. Um, the one that I got coming up um, it was a couple of years ago. Uh, got a call and there, there's always that woulda shoulda coulda, you know. Um, but I was school resource officer, so I'm helping work the road during the summer. And this call comes out in a, an area that is primarily older couples. You know, people, empty nesters, but they're getting to be, you know, septuagenarians, octogenarians. And uh, so call comes out of a person down. And it was in that area. Typically, you get a person down call and it's it's old person croaked. Falling, I can't get up. Oh, and, no. no, it's oh, like no. somebody didn't wake up. Ooh, ah. gotcha. And uh, so I was like, yeah, I'm not going to jump that call. Sorry, granny. Yep, I'm not going to jump that call. But then, but then it came out that it was a 10-year-old that was down and so i was like oh send me that way um but so when this kid was down i i did cpr on him for 10 minutes uh until the next person got there um and uh, so I, I've, I've done a lot of work on it but i still 
part of me still feels responsible. He ended up brain dead. Um, so it, it was a Wednesday on Friday, they declared him dead and then, uh, he was able to be an organ donor. Um, and part of me still blames myself. And, uh, because I'm like, man, I worked on him for 10 minutes and you, you get brain dead because you didn't get enough oxygen. Mm -hmm. And so it's a lot of guilt. Part of me, right. Part of me says that it's my fault because if I had done CPR, right, he would have gotten the oxygen to his brain and he would still be here today. Um, do you wish you could have been there earlier? I, you know, the delay that I had in getting there was not substantial enough that it would have made that much a difference. Um, and we, we did, I did a debrief with uh, the firefighters. As much as I, I rag on the firefighters, um, it, it's really like a sibling rivalry kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, They're idiots, but they're my idiots, so uh, <laughs> I'll make fun of them, but... If anybody else does, it's like, well, wait a minute, like that's that's, hey, that, that's military too. Yeah. So, uh, but so I got a, I did a debrief with the firefighters, and um, they uh, had people come in from Children's Hospital that worked on on this kid uh, when he got there, um, and the folks there said so. When I was working on him, um, I, like I said, I worked on him for ten minutes. Uh, after ten minutes, the next person got there. Next person had an AED. We we put an AED on him, uh, and no shock was advised. And so, if no shock is advised, that means that either they've got a strong enough heartbeat that they don't need shocked, or there's no electrical pulse there, so there's no reason to gotcha. shock. Um, but we just we kept working. No shock was advised. We kept working. By the time they got him to the nearest hospital, uh, they had gotten a pulse back. Um, and so the people came from Children's, and and the lady said it was the exemplary work of the first responders on scene that even allowed him to be brought back enough to where he could be an organ donor. Um, that he should have just died on the floor there. And my wife is like, you know, he was an organ donor. He he saved seven lives. And but I always yeah. tell her, I'm like, but you know what? Like, I didn't breathe for them. I didn't pump their heart. Like, I don't know. Like, I uh, you did it for him. Yeah, yeah that'd have been tough. And man. it's uh, and it it also sucks because he like it, it's different the way different things hit in different stages of your life. Because, you know, I got my son's eight years old. This kid was 10. And it's um, like, it, it was almost like I was working on my son, you know, and it, uh, but so I got that. That's coming up in about 10 days Damn. is my, uh, <laughs> that anniversary. So I'm going to go do a little work on that. Um, that's good. You know what, though? And, and Danny has talked about this. It's about uh, a lot of men don't share enough feelings. They don't talk openly about a lot of things. And he has a website that he's got or some other stuff. Um, I got I got two two sites. Uh, both of them are currently on Facebook. We're working on getting them on other social media um, <clears throat> outlets. Uh, the first one's called Hashtag Own It. It's to promote positivity within your life. 
uh, activities, you know, Jose's part of it. Uh, you know, it's really growing. We're up to what, like 525 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Dude, nice. And it's just so awesome. People are reaching out and saying thank you. Even if it's a word or, or it's an action, it's something positive that changes somebody. Mm-hmm. And then the other one I'm working on is called the Prehistoric Man, and it is to help men like minded uh, with. Um, going from you know mental physical health uh you know just how to handle finances just a a variance different ways of being a man but helping each other being better instead of tearing each other down we're helping each other build each other up yep that's super cool man. that's awesome um guys we've gone a long time which is great man this is good man we've got educated we've got to know a lot about you and the system and how it works and and law enforcement and not every officer likes donuts so you know these are that's i like donuts i just won't eat it in uniform in uniform that's fair um wrap up guys do you have any questions for jared before we get uh, ready to rock out of here um, no, I, I just want to say thanks for your service. Uh, I, I know it's not an easy job like anything, and uh, you know you you put your life life online. You know when Every it day. comes to that, and uh, not not you know I would I would venture to say how what percentage of the the population can say that. You know, so kudos to you for that. Um, you know, it's hard work. I mean, we we can't even pretend to to walk in your footsteps and all that. Um, so keep it up, and I, I stress the fact that community policing is so important because absolutely uh, we need to fix that relationship between you know invest certain members of the community and and, and uh, law enforcement. So last night was National Night Out, and uh, mm-hmm. I went to five National Night Out parties that were out cool. in the community, and Very gotta cool. go. And I love I love interacting with people in those because, like I told them, because they're always like, oh, you know, I hope we're not bothering you for you know doing that and i'm like no not at all like we never get the phone calls like hey bob got promoted today come on over you know hey johnny got all a's on his report card you know come have ice cream with us that we never get those you know so it's uh it's awesome to have that opportunity and doing sure. that community policing and that's uh i don't know maybe a topic for another day but uh, i, I had, cool, a, had a long yeah. conversation with somebody about how do we break down the barriers because there are generations that are are raised and 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 i, I was it was a uh, african-american guy that i was talking to um and he's like you know there are generations that are raised like don't trust the police don't trust the police and mm-hmm. and but we can't come together we can't fix what's going on if we continue to battle each not other. trust each other like mm-hmm. we can't it can't be a mutually exclusive thing um, we we got to learn to work together, and so but that is going to take um, change in the communities and and change in law enforcement. So there you go, Danny. So what uh, piece of advice would you give young adults that are thinking about going into service, public service? You know, it is a very rewarding career. It's very difficult, um, but for me, it's been very rewarding and. You're never, you're not going to get rich. You're never going to be sitting on fat stacks, but you'll always be able to live comfortably. Um, Don't believe Police Academy with Steve Gutenberg. No, no, no. I mean, don't Academy. move, dirtbag. Oh, that was no. a great movie, man. And uh, also, don't believe them. Yes. Don't believe Super Troopers. 
We, That's uh, a great fucking so, so just another another real quick side story. So on the uh, the last, you have a practical exam at the police academy, and so but they take out like one person at a time because you go and run through these scenarios. But then once they go through, like they don't come back into the room with everybody else because then they they're writing reports and whatever. But they also don't want anybody telling like Spoiler. what oh. right what the test is whatever. Mm-hmm. But so it's it's a really long day of hurry up and wait, and so we got to watch a bunch of movies so the instructor comes in to get somebody he looks up and super troopers is on he's like oh jesus christ what are you guys watching we're like training video sir and he's like oh <laughs> god help us <laughs> langemeyer you're up let's go dude but, that is uh, awesome jared man anyway. thank you so much for coming on yeah, man we do really so appreciate it dude uh, got educated uh it's fun to have uh people in our community come on and talk about this um gained a couple different places uh, Stillhouse uh hollow which is a lake north of austin texas hey. somebody downloaded the podcast thank you for that um, crofton nebraska uh which is south of yankton yeah uh, which is super cool thank you for that uh ithaca new york as well crofton so, chieftains uh, see you know yeah there you go this is good graduated from west point i'm up in that neck of the woods there you go I see don't, don't claim it but that's where graduated that's from. all right as long so, as it's not the chiefs go on oh listen to that chiefs because you're a raiders fan thank you yeah hey, see i pay attention you got Jimmy. Calm down over there. I might actually pick him in my uh, fantasy draft, but I don't know. Don't. Anyway, Jared, thank you very much, dude, for coming on. Seriously, man, you, you've you helped out, educated us. Um, we would absolutely love to have you back. Uh, your wife was great to have on as well, uh, which was a blast. And uh, she busted my balls a little bit about my girls in my life. And that was funny. But from what I understand, that's nothing new. No, no, it's not. No. He's had some interesting ones. Yeah. No, well, I mean busting his balls. No, like, they've dude, been she's been doing forever that. and uh, I've heard stories. Man, back when I was like a real crackhead, and not not for real, for real, but um, <laughs> I'm just saying, crack uh, in the street. Yeah, yeah. Pee Wee Herman's up, crackhead. Yeah, my Pee Wee Herman action. So uh, don't forget <laughs> uh, Rock of Life twenty three at gmail dot com. We are also on Facebook uh, as well, Randy Rock of Life. Uh, check it out that way. So Jared, thank you so much, Danny. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you back. For real. Obviously, you've been busy. Yeah. Yes, Finding the cat. Meow. There you go. Hey, what are the two sexiest animals on the farm? Ooh. A duck and a chicken. Mm. Brown chicken, brown cow. <laughs> oh. oh. There you go. Guys, thank you so much, man. This has been Randy's Rock of Life podcast. Brought to you by Premier Midwest Beverage. <laughs>